and welcome to our weekly ICT4D conference podcast. My name is Sonia Ritzel from CRS and I'm interviewing experts for you to talk about digital development trends, innovations and good practice. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Priscilla Kumbakinwa from Action8 based in Kenya. Priscilla, thank you very much for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself to our podcast audience? Thank you for having me. As mentioned, I am Priscilla Chompakinua, working with ActionAid as the Head of Digital and Technology in the Global Secretariat. I am based in Nairobi, originally from Zambia, and working on both the IT, traditional IT, so to speak, type of work, so your servers, your infrastructure, all of that, as well as the ICT for D and how do we use technology in the way we work with communities. Wonderful. I would like to speak with you about digital transformation and hear from you. Where does your organization stand in the progress of digital transformation? And also, maybe more importantly, how has that changed during this year's pandemic? Um, has this uh, accelerated this progress and changed your overall ICT strategy or digital tools you're using? So the pandemic has really forced us to jump into high gear and accelerate the the pace that we're implementing the changes that we've needed to make for a really long time. But fortunately for ActionAid, we had spent most of 2019 designing and getting the digital transformation framework accepted by the entire federation. And so by the time February, March of this year rolled around, we already had an idea of which direction we're going. We just needed to move a bit faster particularly on things like IT security and digital skills for staff, because those pieces were really key to getting the staff to successfully transition to 100% remote working. Our digital transformation has eight goals. As I mentioned, some of them would be along the lines of the traditional IT. I'm using quotes for saying traditional IT. So more IT governance, digital skills, the infrastructure setup of the organization and so on. Whereas other goals were more around the newer thinking, even though it's been around for a while now. So ICT for D or digital innovations, different people call it different things. For example, talking about how do we build a culture of entrepreneurial and creative thinking in the organization to stimulate innovation? How do we combine offline and online tools and methods in the work that we do at grassroots level? How do we engage our supporters online? How do we connect communities using technology and so on? So it's fair to say that while we're in the early stages of delivering on these goals, we at least were already thinking about it when everybody was forced to move faster on digital transformation. So it became more around knowing what to prioritize and perhaps more importantly, what to deprioritize this year. So that's what I would say is where we are in the transformation journey. Thank you. Do you have any specific examples what you have been prioritizing or uh, maybe also what you had to deprioritize due to changed working environments? So, yes, what we saw was that there was suddenly a lot more focus on what our department could help contribute towards once the pandemic hit. So we realized first thing, as soon as this crisis started, we had to prioritize IT security. And when I talk about IT security, both internally and externally, so looking at things like making sure VPNs are in place for our finance staff to work securely really quickly. We're in 45 countries, so it was more 
these things are in place. Can we check that everybody's working securely, firewalls, antivirus, and so on and so forth. But even looking at IT security externally, so in the program work that we're doing, are we making sure that the people we're working with are safe? Are we making sure that they understand the security implications of moving online? We work in communities around the world where we work with children, we work with activists, we work with movements and all sorts of actors who are working to defend human rights. So we have to understand that as they move more and more online, what are the implications? What are the risks? A lot of the conversation has been around shrinking civic space for a while now. And we understand that this is not just offline, but also online digital spaces. We're seeing various pieces of legislation in different countries that are making it very difficult to work online. So how do we make sure that we are not just protecting our internal investments, our IT securities in-house, but also having that responsibility towards the people that we work with? I think that's one of the things that we had to really consider and pay attention to. Yeah, we hear um, data security and just the secure use of digital technology and working online is really the top priority generally, but even more this year. I think that's a very common. Yes. As you were talking about um, different key priorities, how has that impacted your IT roadmap, particularly sort of looking ahead now into the next year or maybe the coming year? So I think the biggest impact we've seen for us is adjusting the way that we work. So like I said, we're seeing more investments in technology for program work. So this means the technology team no longer work simply as the technology team. We have to create multidisciplinary teams in order to get the results we need. I'll give you an example just to illustrate this point. And this is that right now we are leading on a multi-country project and that's in countries in Africa, Asia and the Middle East. We are working with young people in those countries to engage in data-driven advocacy and campaigning on issues affecting youth during and post the COVID-19 crisis. Now, normally an advocacy campaign would never be led by someone like me. It would be sitting in a programs team with IT supporting as a function. But what we see now is an acknowledgement that the technology team is no longer only about making sure the lights in the organization are on, And so we have instead been tasked with leading this type of work. Because if you think about it, technology is no longer, and I know I used to be the biggest advocate of technology, it's just an enabler, but I think we, we've moved beyond that stage. It's where most of the work is and will be happening for the foreseeable future. So for this project where we're doing advocacy and campaigns with young people through data-driven research. If you think about it, the research and data collection is being done using technologies like SMS, WhatsApp diaries, videos, voice recordings, and so on. All this is technology. When they start having conversations in their community based on what the outcomes of the research is, again, it will all rely on technology because the conversations will be happening on WhatsApp, they'll be happening on Twitter, they'll be happening on radios, they'll be on Facebook, all tech. If they need to do campaigning at national level for governments to fill any gaps that the research uncovers, chances are they're engaging their leaders on technology platforms. Same thing at global level. If we want to connect the young people in these different countries around the globe, because that's one of the goals of the project is to say young people in Bangladesh are saying X, young people in Kenya are saying Y, young people in Palestine are saying this on these exact same issues. 
again, we need to rely on technology. So this no longer becomes, we will design our program and then we will call the IT guys. This becomes the IT guys have to lead if we're to get this right. But then again, we don't have all the technical competencies to understand the campaigns and advocacy and how this works. So it means that the technology future for us, at least in ActionAid, won't just be people who studied IT or computer science. Our team will have to stretch and expand to include subject matter experts from many different parts of the organization until we get to a stage where those demarcations become very, very blurred and very fluid. So an IT person should be able to speak whatever language program people speak and program people should confidently be able to articulate themselves in what traditionally would be considered IT gibberish or geek speak. So I think that would be for me one of the adjustments that we're having to make in our IT, in the way we do IT in the organization. Thank you. Yes, that's a very good point. And I think also um, definitely a, a big path ahead. We hear sort of similar stories from other organizations. I think many are maybe more looking into building capacities in the program mm. teams, but you're right, it certainly has to go both ways. Yeah. As you were talking about capacity building and digital skills, are there any specific gaps that you're seeing? And also, um, are there ways you're engaging with other organizations that they could mm. be met in a more collaborative way? Yes, there are quite a number of gaps. And again, both internally, externally. Internally, we have, and I think this is true for almost every organization that at our size, we have invested in a lot of tools. We have all the Office 365 uh, suites. We have all the collaborative tools you can think of. But the question then becomes, can everybody use them with an adequate level of proficiency? Or is this are we throwing more tools at people and creating more anxiety around things they have to learn? So that for me is a gap. And because ActionAid works in different countries, we have some countries where the capacity is very high for staff. They know how to weave their way around data, around using Power BI, for example. And then we have some countries where we need to provide a bit of extra support. So that for me would be one of the gaps that we see. In terms of externally, that becomes even bigger. And I think part of the research that we're doing now in this project that I talked of is trying to understand more how we can help to fill those gaps. Because when you move online, this year has shown us that very select few have the ability to then do what needs to be done. Even when uh, teachers in private schools that normally are a lot more you know, funded and better equipped. When they had to move online, you could see some teachers struggling with delivering content in that sort of space. So those would be where the gaps are for me. And let's not even talk about learners, but we do need to fill those gaps. And in terms of collaboration, I have seen a lot more collaboration happening during this pandemic. Unfortunately, it still hasn't been enough. We still have a lot of duplication going on, a lot of the same actors in the same spaces doing the same things with just the token collaboration, so to speak. I can't go into too much detail there, but especially around the data, we're still struggling with finding common data models. We're still struggling to sharing data. We are still in the mindset of data is a competitive tool for fundraising. 
Whereas for the most part, most of it would be common knowledge anyway. So it doesn't really give anybody an advantage. And I'm really hoping that as we start to work more and more together, we'll start to understand how we can still share, how we can still collaborate while still satisfying the needs of the communities that we serve. That's an excellent call to action, I would say. The reason I'm asking this is because we're looking to do an ICT partnerships virtual conference in January, as we saw that, just like you, a common theme that we are still having a lot of duplication, Mm. Uh, but ICT teams are very stretched and Mm -hmm. Digital technology has just exploded, and we mm. we all very have very very similar challenges. Yes, there are there should be ways for us to at least go part of the way together and and help each other out. Yes, I really believe that's an important one because if you think about it, if you have five different organizations doing very different things in the same community, so for example, I'll just throw some things out. Action Aid is doing human rights. Path is doing health. Um, somebody else is doing water and sanitation. If all these organizations in that community all think it's important to build the digital skills of that commu- of those communities, why not come up with a joint plan? At the end of the day, everybody wins. But unfortunately, we sit in our corner in ActionAid and design our project and go in and give training. The next group comes in with their own methodology. They come and do something else. And it's really just very much a waste. We could have so much more impact if we could work together around some of those pieces. What do you think is um, sort of the missing piece? Do you think it is something that might need to be more driven by the implementers or by the funding organizations that um, we're more encouraged to collaborate? Or do you think it might just be a general behavioral change missing? It's all of the above. (laughs) We've always said that the donors should drive this because then we'd be forced to do it in order to access the resources that we desperately need. But unfortunately, the donors can only drive so much. The implementers have to have that behavioral change you're talking about, where their mindset is not, I am ActionAid, I am X, I am Y. The mindset is we are all here to serve John or Peter or Mary or whoever it is we're serving. Once we can take the focus off ourselves and more onto the communities that we serve, it becomes a lot easier to see clearly where the bits and pieces that would benefit Mary and John and Peter the most lie. Thank you very much. We have constantly been talking about principles for digital development. A lot of us in the field who at least dabble in ICT for D understand human-centered design thinking. And I think as practitioners, we're going to have to really become more intentional about implementing those tools, those methodologies in order to get the most out of the tools that we have to serve the people that we're working for. I agree. Yes. Priscilla, thank you so much for sharing your, your journey with us and your insights. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. More information about our upcoming podcasts and webinars can be found on our website, ict4dconference.org. Hope you will join us again next week.